Hello all, welcome to episode 26 of Strangers Fiction. I'm your host Austin Miller and for today's deep dive topic we are talking about the making of Apocalypse Now, one of the greatest war films ever made and even though the story it tells is insane, the story behind the story is just as insane. Now before we head into our deep dive topic, as always, we will talk a little bit about some pop culture news and then we'll dive into the new releases this week what's coming to theaters what's coming to netflix etc um and there are some really good stuff um i'm looking forward to so let's get right into it first up we have the episode title for the season opener of Stranger Things Season 5 has been revealed. So this is going to be the fifth and final season of Stranger Things. And um, they did kind of a Stranger Things Day on November 6th to kind of celebrate all the fans. And social media accounts were a buzz. And um, yeah, they ended up revealing the name of the first episode. So via deadline, it was Stranger Things Day on November 6th. And fans of the series came together to celebrate it. Throughout the day, there were many revelations, including the title of the first episode from the final season of the sci-fi adventure. To cap off this special day, it was revealed that episode one of season five of Stranger Things is titled Chapter One, The Crawl. Another tidbit is that the episode will be written by the creators themselves, the Duffer Brothers. So good news there. We love the Duffer Brothers. They've done a great job so far. In other news, we have Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam movie surpasses 300 million worldwide. Now... The movie itself, I could care less. I didn't go see it. It didn't look good to me. Um, but $300 million is uh, nothing to, to balk at. So, um, you know, that's pretty impressive. Um, you know, Rock, I think, has always had, you know, really big worldwide audience. I think action movies in general just do great worldwide because, uh, you know, you, there's a, they're a visual spectacle, right? Uh, so um, good for him, but... Sad for movies? Sad for, sad for real art? I don't know. TBD. I haven't seen it. I can't truly uh, you know, make any comment on that movie. But $300 million, Congrats, Dwayne. The rich get richer. Anna de Armas-led John Wick spinoff called Ballerina heads into production. Via Collider, the news came out last year that No Time to Die star has been tapped for the lead role in Ballerina Movie, which will follow a young assassin trained at the ballet school scene in John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. The story follows her quest for revenge against those who killed her family. The feature will be helmed by Underworld director Lynn Wiseman, who directs from a script by Shay Hatton, who is known for features like Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead and John Wick Chapter 3. Dearmas disclosed in an interview earlier this year that Emerald Fennell, the Oscar-winning writer-director behind 2020's Promising Young Woman, has provided the final touches to the script from a woman's point of view. This is all that is really known about the revenge-fueled film with no additional cast members announced yet. <clears throat> I mean, honestly, the premise here sounds like John Wick. Uh, a revenge movie, right? They mess with his dog. Well, now they're messing with Ana de Armas's family. And... The ballerina's out for vengeance. Well, I'm, you know, although the, the premise sounds a little wild, I'm all about it. I think it'll be great. She was so good um, in the last James Bond movie. I did not, uh, I mean, I, she she herself, her acting was good in the Marilyn Monroe movie, but I couldn't make it more than 30 minutes of that movie. That movie was, 
not my cup of tea, but I think she'll do great. I think this will be a fun action movie. Um, and if, uh, you know, some of the writers are the same writers that are attached to Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, well, we're in for kind of a violent, crazy, fun action fest. Um, and those movies can be fun, and I'm looking forward to it. In other news, we have HBO's Westworld got canceled. Well, uh, you know, season one was a banger. Awesome. Everyone is all about it. Lots of talk. Well, you don't even hear about the show anymore, and that's because it's kind of really dropped off these last few seasons. They're just... It's, uh... I don't know. It's just... It got too... Um... Far from... Like, reality. And... I uh, wasn't telling a grounded story anymore. It seemed like it... It just got so far into... The concepts of is this real is this not and they just kept hitting on that over and over and then it i don't know it just it really lost its way these last couple seasons and there was no really characters you were attached to so uh you know bummer for the fans but you know i couldn't i can't say that i didn't see this coming witcher renewed for season four but wait for it henry cavill will be replaced with liam hemsworth this one is a wild one Witcher is a hugely successful video game made by a studio in Poland, and it was, you know, the video games are based off a book, uh, and then Netflix decided to turn it into a Netflix original with Henry Calville, who is a great actor and has done a good job, and the show's been really popular. They're going to do season three with Henry, but after that, they're going to just straight out swap the main character with Liam Hemsworth. Um, I, I, I think they should just call it or do some kind of spinoff series where they focus on a different character or, or storyline within that world. Replacing it with Liam Hemsworth is a quick way to make fans not happy, and that's what we've already seen all over social media. So good luck to the makers of that show. I hope it works out, but, uh, you know, if I was a betting man, I would say knock. On to the weekly releases. <laughs> for monday november 7th through sunday november 13th these are all the shows and movies coming out this week that i find interesting and think you might find interesting starting with wednesday november 9th the crown season 5 will be dropping via fandom.com season 5 will bring the maturing queen's reign into the new century and will cover the tenures of prime ministers john major and tony blair Events anticipated include the dissolution of Charles and Diana's marriage and Diana's death. Now, this is already stirring up quite a bit of controversy because obviously anything around Princess Diana is going to, you know, stir up some feelings. Um, She's a very beloved uh, princess, and there was a lot of, you know, question marks around her death. And... You know, obviously Tony Blair was the ex prime, you know, was the prime minister at the time, and he's going to be depicted in this show, and he's called it complete and utter rubbish, saying that it's basically presenting fictional elements as fact around her death. So, uh, this, to be honest, this has intrigued me enough that I think I'm going to start with season one. I haven't really seen The Crown catching up before Wednesday. No, not going to happen. But um, I think I am going to start down that journey. Um, historical dramas I always find fascinating if you can't tell you know the the theme of this show is history and pop culture and uh, you know 
anything anytime i can get like a time period piece especially something uh you know in the 20th or 19th century i'm all about it so um the other show we have dropping this week on netflix is fifa uncovered a documentary now for those of you who you know, may or may not be familiar with fifa they are the governing body of worldwide soccer and they are notorious for being corrupt right there's always allegations of corruption and, and the corruption mainly has to do with how the location for the world cup is decided right so last world cup we had russia this time um we're talking about cutter or Qatar, as most people say it, but uh, there's a lot of controversy around it because, you know, the allegations there are that the officials who decide where World Cup takes place are, you know, doing backroom deals where they're personally pocketing lots of money off the books. Um, adding to this, a lot of these locations aren't even really prepped to host a World Cup. Qatar, for example, is extremely hot and uh, this time of year and so you had to push the world cup back a little bit just to accommodate their seasons and make sure the players are safe and able to play some good soccer um there's also a lot of controversy around um how cutter has gone about uh building these facilities because they were not prepped to even house (coughs) um you know the world cup so they've had to essentially erect a city over the last you know, a few years, and they've hired a ton of migrant workers, and apparently, word on the street is that the conditions are awful, and some of the workers may have even, you know, died uh, being overworked or in poor conditions and unsafe conditions. So, uh, this documentary will dive into a lot of that, um, and I think it'll be interesting for soccer fans and non-soccer fans alike. Also, this week, we have Zootopia Plus dropping. Uh, you know, and now I know a lot of people aren't going to care so much about Zootopia, but if you're a parent, you have kids, you're always looking for something that you can enjoy with them, and Zootopia was a great movie, and they're going to drop six episodes uh, this week, and not much else is known besides that, but uh, it's always fun to have something to be able to watch with the kids that you enjoy yourself. Hard Knocks in season uh, following the Arizona Cardinals will be dropping on HBO as well this Wednesday. Uh, the preseason focused on the Detroit Lions, and this midseason look will focus on the Arizona Cardinals, who had big hopes for this season but have been struggling a lot. And I think we any football fans will not be surprised if their coach gets sacked by the end of this year because they have w- greatly underperformed. Um, there's been a lot of mismanagement there. But the docuseries is super cool, even if you don't like sports or are a huge football fan because they really go inside the locker room and show what it's like and what it takes to be a professional athlete. The team atmosphere, you feel it in the room after a loss. Um, I don't know. It's just it's such a great series and, and beats the heck out of any of the other reality shows that are going on right now, at least in my book. So Thursday, November 10th, uh, for all the Hallmark Christmas-type movie lovers, Rejoice, Lindsay Lohan's Falling for Christmas will be dropping on Netflix. Um, According to IMDb.com, in the days leading up to Christmas, a young and newly engaged heiress experiences a skiing accident. After being diagnosed with amnesia, she finds herself in the care of the handsome lodge owner and his daughter. 
check, 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 every single cliche in one movie. Uh, but guess what? I will be there. My wife will be there. And I have a feeling a lot of you guys will be there too, especially if you're in that uh, millennial category that grew up with Lindsay Lohan. And you enjoy some of those cheesy Christmas movies. And <clears throat> that uh, is square in the middle of, of our Venn diagram and our family. So we'll definitely be, be watching that on Thursday. Friday, November 11th, um, probably the biggest movie of the, of the past month or two will be dropping, and that is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Of course, this, uh, after the passing of Chad Bozeman, who played the main character, very sad, he, you know, was sick and didn't really tell anyone on set, passed away, and, you know, the writers and everyone have had the tough job of how do we tell a story no longer involving the main character who pretty much carried the show and do him honors and respect while pushing the story forward and you know focusing on other characters so that will be dropping in theaters on friday um, i'm sure that'll do numbers finally we have a show called the english dropping on prime video and this is a show featuring emily blunt and it kind of takes place at the end, tail end of the 19th century uh in the american west involving native americans um and just kind of the wild west and it looks really good I'll, let me re- let me just read you the description here via collider an aristocrat an aristocratic english woman lady cornelia played by emily blunt and a pawnee ex-cavalry scout eli whip come together in 1890 middle america to cross a violent landscape built on dreams and blood both of them have a clear sense of their destiny but neither is aware that it is rooted in a shared past. They must face increasingly terrifying obstacles that will test them to their limits, physically and psychologically, but as each obstacle is overcome, it draws them closer to the ultimate destination, the new town of Hoaxham, Wyoming. It is here, after an investigation by the local sheriff, Robert Marshall, and young widow Martha Myers, into a series of bizarre and macabre unsolved murders that the full extent of their intertwined history will be truly understood, and they will come face to face with a future they must live. So that wraps it up. For all the new weekly releases, quite a packed week. Let me know on social what y'all are watching, what you're enjoying, and if you're catching any of these shows yourself. If you want to follow, I'm on uh, Instagram under Strangest Fiction Podcasts, as well as TikTok under Strangest Fiction. So feel free to reach out to me there. Let me know your thoughts before we hop into this week's deep dive topic, Apocalypse Now, the insanity behind the insanity. Francis Ford Coppola's 1979 Vietnam War epic, Apocalypse Now, is widely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time. It's a surrealist and psychedelic take on Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness, which takes place in the Africa interior, Congo to be exact. Whereas the original novel follows the Belgian River captain Charles Marlowe and his involvement in the deadly ivory trade on behalf of King Leopold II, he discovers a European colony has, quote, gone native. The esteemed novel explores themes of colonization, power, and shows the line between savage and civilized is ever fleeting. Apocalypse Now recontextualizes this novel by placing the story in the 70s, following a group of young Americans in Vietnam traveling up the river into Cambodia. Captain Benjamin, played by Martin Sheen, is tasked with the secret mission of killing Colonel Kurtz, played by Marlon Brando, who, like the novel, has also, quote, gone native. 
He is accused of murder and is presumed to be insane, and the locals worship him. The, fa- the farther Martin Sheen and his crew travel down the river, the more insane everyone on and off the boat becomes. The story progresses from depraved to pure hallucinogenic madness. Likewise, the behind the scenes was equally mad. So mad, in fact, that Francis' wife, Eleanor Coppola, decided to make a documentary on it called Heart of Darkness, A Filmmaker's Apocalypse. Quote, We were in the jungle. There were too many of us. We had access to too much money, too much equipment, and little by little we went insane, said Francis Coppola. So how does this happen? How can an Academy Award-winning movie, lauded as one of the greatest films of all time, full of talented actors like Robert Duvall, Marlon Brando, Martin Sheen, and Dennis Hopper, a film made by an experienced director like Coppola, who had already made Godfather 1 and 2 by this point, turn into insanity? For starters, nearly 50% of the $30 million budget, dollar budget was coming from Francis's own pockets, should the film fail, his own personal livelihood should also be at stake. Imagine it. You made two of the greatest films in cinema history with Godfather 1 and Godfather 2. You could have easily retired on those two works alone and provided generational wealth for your family and future kin. Now you find yourself far from home in the jungles of the Philippines, risking it all for a single film. And for what? Art? Truth? Ego? Such pressures would cause Coppola to have an epileptic seizure and to threaten suicide on three separate occasions. And sure, while working with a team of A-list actors might sound like a breeze, it was quite the opposite. He felt off about having Harvey Keitel, a great actor by anyone's standard, portray Captain Willard, and a few weeks into the shoot, he swapped him out for Martin Sheen. Dennis Hopper apparently thought he was still on the set of Easy Riders, having a constant supply of cocaine. Fitting for his role in the movie as a bumbling, far-out photojournalist. But let us not be too hard on Dennis. Much of the cast was using, and parties among the crew were quite common. Marlon was unimpressed with Dennis's drug use, and they had to shoot their scenes separately just to avoid conflict. Marlon wasn't without his own unprofessionalism. His character was supposed to be a lean, hungry warrior. He had escaped to the jungle, after all, far from diners and grocery stores. However, Brando showed up on set weighing close to 300 pounds, didn't know his lines, and was demanding $3 million, 10% of the budget. Brando made a very Brando demand, saying his character could only wear black and had to be filmed in the shadow. Of course it was the right call, just as his call to fill his cheeks with cotton was the right call for Godfather. But it was a curveball, nonetheless, that Coppola had to work with. Coppola acquiesced and worked with Brando on his lines to get him up to speed. Something that should have already been done long before he ever set foot in the Philippines. Martin Sheen was set on method acting his role, and in the scene, scenes his character was drunk, he was in fact also drunk. In the opening scene, Captain Willard has a drunk mental breakdown, and while shooting this scene, Martin smashed his hand on a real-life mirror and began bleeding profusely. Martin later claimed that playing Captain Willard had some therapeutic benefits, helping him get rid of some personal real-life demons he had been battling. Coppola, ever the artist, was a bit like Tiger Woods' dad with his manipulative way of directing the crew, pushing their buttons in an attempt to get the best out of them. Quote, He would tell Martin, you're evil. I want all the evil, the violence, the hatred in you to come out. You tell that to a guilt-ridden Irish Catholic and he hasn't a chance. Martin is so pliable. Francis did a dangerous and terrible thing. He assumed the role of a psychiatrist and did a kind of brainwashing on a man who was much too sensitive. 
He put Martin in a place and didn't bring him back. But it wasn't just the actors and budget causing a problem. The environment itself was taxing. A hurricane ripped through the Philippines and they had to pause production. Sheen returned to the set afterwards and then suffered a serious heart attack. He was found crawling down the road for help and they even gave him his last rites. Imagine putting yourself in such a vulnerable and demeaning state only to have to pause and then return to it weeks later. It was as if he had on-screen PTSD. The typhoon also destroyed much of the set. While the production was put on pause, some crew members were stuck in hotels and shooting fell behind schedule and of course to keep everything afloat and replace equipment, budget also fell behind pacing. Physical dangers were also birthed from the crew itself, with special effects not really being a thing yet. This meant explosions had to be, well, explosions. Flares were flying at helicopters, and one construction member lost their lives due to these real-life dangers. In one instance, real human corpses were brought on set for, quote, authenticity, and were used on set and hanging in the trees. When the producer discovered this, the police got involved and ended up withholding passports. The individual who was responsible for the incident was sent to jail. PETA Plug your ears because real life livestock was given to locals in exchange for filming rights, and the scene where the buffalo got slaughtered by the tribe was in fact real. If rogue actors, typhoons, heart attacks, leaky budgets, and onset scandal wasn't enough, it's heavily suspected that the U.S. government was actively involved in attempts to weaken the message and reach of the film. Variety reported that the, quote, U.S. military refused to cooperate and there were claims that the government of Australia and Philippines were pressured to deny production assistance to the film, which was considered to be taking a negative look at America's role in Vietnam. All said and done, Coppola risked it all, and what we're left with is a visual and narrative masterpiece, a story that was able to channel Joseph Conrad's original vision in the modern day and ask, has anything changed? The great chef and travel writer Anthony Bourdain often cited it as his favorite movie and said, when I first went up this river, I was sick with love, the bad kind, the first around your heart kind. I ran far, but there was no escaping it. It followed me up river all the way. That was 10 long years ago. A previous episode of a previous series in a previous life. Yet here I am again, heading up to that same long house in the jungle. That's it, folks, for episode 26. Can't believe we've already... Uh, done this for 26 weeks Um, that's amazing thanks for being such a great audience um, and looking forward to making many more episodes until next week